We'll start our discussion of pain by looking at pain perception. And the first step in that is looking at the anatomy. The functional unit of the nervous system is the neuron or nerve cell. The anatomy of the sensory neurons associated with the oral structures have common characteristics. They are terminal endings or nociceptors, axons, which can also be called fibers or processes, the cell body or soma, and the nucleus. The diameter of the neurons, neural axons vary. Fiber diameter determines the speed at which the impulses can be conducted and the pain perceived. The largest fibers are myelinated fibers. Group A fibers are myelinated and they are the thickest and the fastest. Delta fibers are a subgroup of the A fibers and are responsible for sharp, localized pain. Group B fibers are intermediate fibers, which are preganglionic autonomic fibers and do not transmit sensory information. Group C fibers are the smallest and the slowest. These fibers are non-myelinated. These fibers are responsible for slow pain. Both A and C fibers supply pain sensation for dental structures. Neurons can work alone or be bundled together in varying sizes. The nerves associated with local anesthesia are bundled together. A large bundle of nerve fiber is referred to as a nerve trunk. The cell bodies associated with these sensory axons are also bundled together and named ganglia. The ganglia are located outside of the central nervous system. Free nerve endings or terminal endings are located in the periphery. The terminal endings serve as pain receptors which initiate the conduction of the impulses along the axons. The impulse transmission is best understood by examining the nerve cell prior to excitation. The resting cell membrane. The free nerve endings, neural axons, and the cell bodies are surrounded by a nerve membrane. The intracellular substances such as fluids and proteins within the neural membrane is called neuroplasm. These substances contain ions. Positively charged ions are cations and negatively charged ions are anions. Normally the concentration of the positive and negative charges across the membrane would be equally distributed by diffusion. However, in a nerve cell, this equal distribution does not exist. The inside of the nerve cell is more negative than the outside. The difference in the electrical charges across the membrane is called the membrane potential. The two principal ions essential to nerve impulse conduction are potassium and sodium. The sodium-potassium pump located in the cell membrane forces the positively charged sodium molecules outside the cell membrane. When the sodium is forced out of the cell, it produces a relatively negative charge within the cell. The extracellular fluid becomes a relative positive charge. The permeability of the cell membrane also contributes to maintaining the cell membrane potential. After being actively transported to the outside of the cell, the impermeability of the cell membrane prohibits the sodium from re-entering the cell. The potassium, however, easily passes back and forth through the cell membrane.
the intracellular concentration of proteins and phosphates, which are largely neg negatively charged molecules, also contribute to contributing to creating and maintaining the ionic imbalance across the nerve membrane. When the nerve is at rest or unstimulated, the membrane potential is minus 60 to minus 90 millivolts. This is also referred to as relative polarity. Take a look at the animation of the resting nerve cell potential. Now let's look at the minimal threshold stimulus. A stimulus may be chemical, thermal, mechanical, or electrical in nature. A stimulus must be of sufficient magnitude to initiate a nerve impulse or wave of excitation. The magnitude of the stimulus needed is called the minimal threshold stimulus. Usually a stimulus that has the magnitude to stimulate one group C fiber is enough to stimulate any other group C fiber. And the magnitude needed to stimulate one group A fiber is enough to stimulate other group A fibers. Once a minimal threshold stimulus is reached, the impulse will travel the entire length of the nerve fiber without any additional stimuli. A stimulus of greater magnitude will not increase the length, speed, or intensity of the impulse. A stimu stimulus of lesser magnitude will not cause a reaction. This is referred to as the all or none principle. So let's look at what happens when a nerve is excited or excitation. The terminal endings are non-myelinated fibers which are responsible for impulse initi initiation. When a threshold stimulus has excited a nerve fiber, two significant phenomena occur. First, the perme permeability of the nerve membrane changes, becoming hyperpermeable to sodium or an influx of sodium. During the influx of sodium, potassium continues to diffuse to the outside of the cell membrane, efflux of potassium. These two actions result in a reserve, a reverse cell membrane potential. The outside is now negative and the inside is positive. The fraction of a millisecond interval which exists while the ionic concentrations are reversing is termed depolarization and reverse polarity or relative reverse polarity exists. After the maximum reverse polarity has occurred, the membrane becomes hyperpermeable to potassium and re relatively impermeable to sodium. The sodium-potassium pump continues to pump out the sodium while the potassium is pumped in and rapidly diffuses across the cell membrane. The re-established polarity and the cell is repolarized. The rapid sequence of changes in the cell membrane potential is known as the action potential. Once the action potential is initiated, the excitation is transmitted to the membrane just adjacent to the original site of stimulation. The depolarization repolarization recurs at the new site and continues propagating itself the entire length of the nerve fiber. The energy to accomplish this is derived from the cell membrane and the stimulus is no longer needed. During the minute time of depolarization, 
that portion of the cell membrane cannot be re-stimulated. This is known as absolute refractory period. Following the reverse polarity during repolarization, the nerve cell membrane can be re-excited, but it requires a greater stimulus. This is known as relative refractory period. Nerve transmission is carried out differently in myelinated and non-myelinated nerves. In non-myelinated nerves, the impulses travel the entire length of the nerve membrane. Myelin is an external lipid protein coating of medium to large diameter neuron fibers. The myelin protects the fibers from adjacent nerve excitation and expedites the conduction of an impulse. Regular interruptions, called nodes of Ranvier, are non-myelinated areas along the nerve fiber. Action potentials travel from one node to the next, jumping over the membrane in between. This type of trans impulse transmission is called saltatory transmission. Saltatory transmission increases the speed of the pulse travel and is energy conserving as only the nodes depolarize. Okay, let's look at pain intensity. The intensity of pain perceived is determined by a number of fibers stimulated and the frequency of the excitation of the fibers. The number of self, nerve cells stimulated will depend on the particular anatomy of the area and the dimensions of the area being stimulated. The frequency of excitation depends on the duration of the stimulus. Action potentials are completed in fractions of a millisecond. A nerve fiber may complete multiple action potentials before the removal of a stimulus. Action poten potentials generated from within the oral structures terminate in sensory nucleus located within the pons. From the pons, excitation is communicated to the thalamus and then to the cortex of the brain. This is afferent. The rapidity, rapidity with which the sensation is transmitted and the motor response, efferent, is returned and can be replicated by putting a hand on a hot object. Instantaneous reflex response elicits an immediate withdrawal, but I certainly don't suggest trying this.